Will you all join me in prayer again? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I am a lover of words. It's a big reason I like to read books and I like to listen to music. I like the way that certain words stir up emotions within me. I like witty phrases characters say in books. I like lyrics that are so concise yet still packed with meaning. Through the years, I have come to appreciate one word in particular, you might have already guessed from our children's time. The word is thanks. While it's for sure a word that we throw around a lot, I do believe that more often than not, we really intentionally use the word thanks. Even in mundane moments, like when someone may open the door for us and we say thanks. I don't doubt that in that moment, we really mean thanks. So thanks comes up throughout our everyday lives, and it can have big meaning even in mundane moments. Personally, I can think of a number of times when people have told me, thank you, and it's had a huge impact. As a camp counselor in college, one week I had a camper who was a runner, not in a track sense of the word, but in the sense that anytime she felt anxious, she would run away from the situation, literally. It was a coping mechanism she had developed throughout her life. And during a particularly hard day for this camper, I found myself chasing her to the front of our campground gates to stop her from going into the street. After calming down, this camper asked if she could stay in my cabin with my campers for the night. She had had a particularly hard day and had some conflict with some of the campers in her own cabin. All she asked was for a place to feel safe that night. As I went around waking up my girls the next morning, this student, the runner, groggily opened her eyes. She looked straight at me and she mouthed, thank you, thank you. I think of a funeral where the daughter of the deceased sent me a letter and a custom gift the next week to say thank you for officiating the funeral of her mother, to thank me for honoring her mother. I can think of all of these times where someone thanked me and the enormous impact it had. That's how the word thanks works. When we say thank you to someone else, we don't always see the impact that it has on their lives, at least not immediately. But we do remember the times someone said thank you to us and the lasting impressions it's had on us. And this is kind of what makes the concept of thanks so complicated, because we don't always see the immediate ramifications 
that our gratitude has on someone else's life. Instead, we have to rely on our own stories of how someone giving thanks to us has impacted us in order that we may reciprocate that thankfulness to the people around us. Our scripture reading this morning is from the prophet Joel. Joel is found in the Old Testament, and he is considered one of the minor prophets, not because he didn't do big things. He's not like a minor character, but actually it's because it's such a short book. And in his, in his book, he deals with the Israelites reacting to some really terrible things that keep happening to them. In the first chapter alone, Joel recounts this plague of locusts that has completely devastated all of the land. He also mentions a drought and a wildfire, all of which are pretty big disasters on their own. Yet here we read that the Israelites have experienced these disasters not so far apart from one another. They remember the devastation and this hunger that they've felt over the years because they haven't had livestock, they haven't had all of their crops. They're haunted by these disasters. And if you've never read the book of Joel and you pick it up to read its very short three chapters— you may at first think that you've opened up a book of lament and despair because just in the first chapter, it's really heavy. It's recounting hard things. And it actually continues on into the second chapter too. But if you stick with Joel, eventually you'll get to the end of the second chapter and see a noticeable shift. That's where our reading begins this morning. We're going to be in Joel chapter 2. We're going to start with verses 21 through 23. Don't fear, fertile land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord is about to do great things. Don't be afraid, animals of the field, for the meadows of the wilderness will turn green. The tree will bear its fruit. The fig tree and grapevine will give their full yield. Children of Zion, rejoice and be glad in the Lord your God, because he will give you the early rain as a sign of righteousness. He will pour down abundant rain for you, the early and the late rain as before. Joel here is telling the land, the animals, and finally the Israelites to rejoice and be glad. In other words, he's asking them to say, thanks, to give thanks. They are called to give thanks even though they are in the midst of pain and devastation. They're called to name their blessings and to remember the promise that is still to come. That promise continues in the rest of our scripture, verses 24 through 27. The threshing floors will be full of grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and fresh oil. I will repay you for the years that the cutting locust, the swarming locust, the hopping locust, and the devouring locust has eaten my great army, which I sent against you. You will eat abundantly and be satisfied, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has done wonders for you. And my people will never again be put to shame. You will know that I am in the midst of Israel, 
that I am the Lord your God. No other exists. Never again will my people be put to shame. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. Joel introduces us to this kind of interesting concept, a need to give thanks for the now and a need to give thanks for the future too. For Jewish people, thankfulness is a part of their identity and has been since the beginning. And I mean this literally. In Hebrew, the word for Jew is Yehudi, which is the name Leah gives her son. In English, we often read it as Judah in our Bible. Judah is the name that the people of God come from, the Judeans or the Jews. It is often linked to gratefulness and gratitude because of the praising and rejoicing that Leah does when her son is born. Historically, thankfulness is tied to the actual name or identity of the Jewish people, those Israelites that Joel is talking to. For Joel to expect these people to give thanks to God, it's not unheard of. It's not something new that he's suggesting. It's something that should already be happening in the people's prayers and in their everyday life. And it's fair to assume that these people know they are expected to give thanks. It's the giving thanks for the future things that is the tricky part. Not only is it tricky for these Israelites to give thanks for something that hasn't happened yet, often it's a tricky thing for us to do too. Joel is asking the people to give thanks and to rejoice while they're in the middle of devastation. They are expected to trust God and to trust these promises of good that is yet to come. It's a difficult ask. Yet, when we consistently practice having a thankful heart, we recognize the great things around us, the things happening that are worthy of thanks. And it helps us stay hopeful for what is still to come. Verse 21 of our reading said, Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord is about to do great things. When we ourselves become comfortable with the word thanks, with saying thanks, and when we become comfortable recalling all those people in our past who have said thank you to us, we are given fuel. We're giving fuel to keep going through difficult times and to look forward with a thankful heart, to look toward a future of great things that are still to come. I've found that when I practice saying thanks to the people around me, it creates humility in myself. Now, this isn't some new idea or something that's unique to me. There are a number of scientific studies of people who made gratitude lists or daily wrote letters to people saying thanks. And in these studies, they find that these people have an increased humility in their lives. For me, 
It's about recognizing that I need other people in life to help me. I cannot do everything on my own. Now, I do like to trick myself and into thinking that uh, I could do this better by myself or I'm better off if I just go ahead and do it alone. But history has shown me that when I ask for help or when others step up when I'm hurting or overwhelmed or maybe when I'm too proud to ask for help myself, when people help, I'm a better person. I'm a healthier person. When I say thanks, often I'm admitting that I couldn't do it on my own. I need people. I need others around me to love and support me. That's that humility piece of saying thank you. It brings us back down and reminds us that we're not alone, nor are we expected to do it all by ourselves. We are faithful to God when we acknowledge that each one of us are intertwined, when we acknowledge that we are called to help one another and to accept help from others. Thanksgiving, not Christmas, is in just a few short days. While Thanksgiving can be a busy time for those of us who prepare food, or it could be a stressful time for some of us when we gather with families. Or Thanksgiving can even be a lonely time for those of us who are away from loved ones. Even with all of those aspects, Thanksgiving can also be the perfect time for us to practice giving thanks for the great things in our life now and for the great things that are still to come. What if this season we set aside our hurriedness, we set aside our anxiety, we set aside the isolation, and instead we each focus on gratitude, which is kind of the whole purpose of Thanksgiving anyway, right? Unlike some other big holidays, we don't typically use the entire month of November to celebrate Thanksgiving. It's kind of a one and done deal. Maybe a few days are celebrated if you have multiple families or a Friendsgiving thrown in. And in my experience, especially someone who is super active in the church, who lives in the church, often the spirit of gratitude around Thanksgiving is quickly thrown to the side once Friday comes. Because we begin the Advent season, we begin looking toward Christmas Day. So to slow down this season, I've set a challenge for myself and my family, and I hope your family will consider joining us. We are going to use this Thursday, this Thanksgiving Day, as a launch day for expressing gratitude throughout Advent. We are going to talk about what we're thankful for on Thanksgiving Day, like you do, and then we're going to keep talking about it in the days leading up to Christmas. My family has this book that you open up, and in the middle, a big tree is like in 3D, and each day we open a flap, 
and get an ornament to put on the tree during Advent. And so for us, each day we open a flap to get an ornament, we are going to name something we're thankful for. Now, my 17-month-old may not be able to say a lot, uh, but me and Jake will make up for that. It's a way for us to keep our focus during this season. Often, the consumerism and the stress steals away some of my own joy during Advent. By using Thanksgiving as a starting line to thankfulness during Advent, my family hopes to keep our hearts focused on the hope and love of the season and to put a little more humility in each of our lives instead of the me, me, me-ness that sometimes can come with Christmas. You are all invited to join us on this journey. As we end today and look forward to Thanksgiving Day and the beginning of a season of gratitude, I want to share a French proverb with you all. Gratitude is the memory of the heart. Gratitude is the memory of the heart. May we remember the many times people have told us, thank you. May we hold tight to the great things God is already doing in the world. And may we look forward to the great things still to come. And through it all, may we truly have grateful hearts. Amen.